0: If you're one that looked in the bulletin this morning and saw that the the title of this morning's lesson was the same as last week's, uh, no, I'm not preaching last week's sermon. Uh, I've just uh, totally forgot to uh, fill in this week's sermon as you see here. uh, We're going to be studying from Matthew chapter 22. So if you have your Bibles, I invite you to open up Matthew chapter 22 from a lesson from a wedding feast. Now, uh, this morning, you know, this is really isn't wedding season, although you might have uh, been to a wedding here recently, you know, maybe just yesterday or so, but the reason why I kind of thought about this just personally is that Angela and I will be celebrating our 19th year of marriage tomorrow, and so wedding, uh, sort of the weddings uh, has been on our minds, and so uh, this, uh, this parable has been on my mind, and so I thought it'd be a good time to go through this lesson with you this morning. And, you know, a lot of times when you are getting ready to, you know, go get married, uh, to get married, you know, you got people offering you advice from time to time, right? You remember this, right? As your wedding day approached, people were offering you advice, you know, be prepared for this, you might want to do that, well, well. Uh, There was one piece of advice that I'd received that really, you know, it kind of threw me off. I didn't really understand, you know, what it was about, you know, why they were giving it to me. But some gentleman came up to me uh, the morning of our our wedding and said, you know, listen, you're going to have a lot of things on your mind. Uh, There are going to be a lot of uh, things going on. But I want you to take time and enjoy your dinner. And I thought, you know, that's kind of an odd thing to say, right? To take time to make sure you enjoy the wedding dinner, the wedding feast. Uh, uh, there's going to be a lot of things going on this morning, right? Shaking of hands, seeing people we haven't seen in quite a while, uh, giving our thanks. But he said, listen, take time and enjoy your dinner. Uh, now, we got married at a little church up, up in Michigan, and one of the... one of the. Uh, Services ministries that they do is they had uh, women who would cater right whenever whenever an event came up they would they would cater and so I knew that uh, we were gonna have a great wedding feast catered by the church there and because I've had that feast before you know and I can to this day I can just imagine it in front of myself of a a chicken salad sandwich the best chicken salad sandwiches that I've ever eaten uh, on these buttery you know toasted croissants and man I'm getting hungry right now just thinking about it but but I. knew that's what was going to happen that day, that I was going to have that, that meal, and I was excited for that. But that day came and went, and I missed the wedding feast. Again, I was so busy thanking people, shaking hands, taking pictures, that uh, I didn't even think, down, think to sit down and eat. You know, the, the advice that the man had given me, I don't even recall doing that. Now, I do recall that, you know, the whole traditional cake thing where you take the cake and you kind of shove it into your bride's face. You know, I remember that. Uh, that that's something that, it was, uh, that I've remembered quite well. But the meal, right, sitting down and having that wedding feast that was prepared, I missed it. Sadly, I missed it. Well, friends, what we're going to talk about this morning is a wedding feast that you and I do not want to miss And Jesus is going to give us some advice as well. For many are called, but few are chosen. And that's what we want to discuss this morning. If you're in Matthew chapter 22, we might want to back up a little bit into Matthew chapter 21 to sort of set the context of what we're studying this morning. Back in Matthew 21, starting in verse 23, we notice that Jesus here is at the temple and he's got a crowd around him that he is teaching, that he is preaching to, but also included within this crowd are the, the Pharisees, are the religious leaders, you know, those uh, who are trying to catch Jesus. And Jesus here, he's going to be highlighting in these next three parables their rejection of him as the Messiah. You know, Jesus often, common, commonly taught in parables. You know, we're familiar with parables, right? Uh, we often refer to it as that earthly story with a heavenly meaning. If you break that word parable down, uh, para just means beside. And below, uh, it means to cast, uh, to throw. And so basically, you're casting something beside something, right? You're taking something that you know well, an earthly story, maybe it's fishing, you know, maybe it's growing something, a farming, and then you're putting some spiritual application to it. You're casting it beside that. And Jesus taught in parables because we're told, you know, uh, the people who are seeking the truth, you know, they would get it. But those who weren't, those who were simply there to trap Jesus, right, they wouldn't understand what he was talking about. And so he, he begins by giving a series of parables to those religious leaders. The parable of the two sons in verses 28 through 32 of Matthew 21. And then the, the parable of the landowner, he, he goes through that. Now, do you, think they're, do, the, do you think that they know that he's talking about them at that point? Well, Absolutely, because if you look at chapter 21, verses 45 through 46, it says, When the chief priests and the Pharisees heard his parables, they understood that he was speaking about them. And when they sought to seize him, they feared the people because they considered him to be a prophet. Jesus is getting on them, (laughs) and they're starting to understand that he's speaking about me. He's speaking about us, the religious leaders of the day, but Jesus isn't done with them. I think he's got one more parable to give, and that's what we're going to read, study together this morning. Look at verses 1 through 3 of chapter 22. Says, again, Jesus spoke to them again in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son. And he sent out his slaves to call those who had been invited to the wedding feast, and they were unwilling to come. First, we have the king's invitation. Jesus is painting this beautiful picture of this wedding feast for us, a celebration like no other. We understand weddings are a big deal, aren't they? They're a big deal to many. Many go all out. If you were to go into Google this morning and say, what's the average cost of a wedding in 2023? You would be amazed. Amazed. $29,000. $30,000 for the average price of a wedding today. I mean, that's the price of a new truck, right? The price of a new boat. But for a wedding... But this isn't just any wedding, is it? It's a royal wedding. I mean, if you go and look at the numbers spent on the last royal wedding that happened overseas, we're talking $40, $42 million. Right? People go all out to put on the, these events. And here we have a king who is going to give a wedding feast for his son. You know, our, our, our weddings typically last an hour, maybe two, a, a little bit more. But, but in that day, in that culture, especially for the Jewish people, these celebrations went on for days. Now again, Jesus is speaking of this royal wedding, this royal wedding given by a king, and we want to understand that the king here in this parable represents God. Uh, the, the son, of course, represents Jesus. And those servants, those slaves he talks about in verse 3, those represent the prophets uh, that, that he had sent out. And the king sent out those servants to call those who were invited now we notice throughout this, this, uh, this parable that there are different invitations being sent out. You know, we do that too, don't we? Uh, when we're going to have a wedding, uh, we might send out a save the date card. You know, in the future, uh, save this date because I'm going to send you an invitation because I want you to be at my wedding. right? And so we understand that at some point the, the king had sent out this save the date card. But verse 3 says, now he sent out his slaves to call those who had been invited to the wedding feast. It's go time. It's time for the wedding. The invitation is now. And what a great honor it is for them to have known that, hey, I was invited to this wedding by the king. I'm on the guest list. Notice Jesus continues here in verse 4. Again, he sent other slaves saying, Tell those who have been invited, behold, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen, and my fattened calves, and all butchered and everything is ready. Come to the wedding feast. But they paid no attention and went their way, one to his own farm, another to his business, and the rest seized his slaves and mistreated them and killed them. So now let's notice the king's reaction here in verses 4 through 6. To reject the invitation of a king to a royal wedding, a royal feast, this would have been a shock to those who were listening. Right? We're told there at the end of verse 3 that they were unwilling to come. You don't refuse a royal invitation, but they refuse the invitation of the king. If you or I were king at this point, how are you going to react to that? You're probably going to be pretty mad, aren't you? You're going to be upset. But we notice the first reaction of the king in verse 4 says, again, he sent out other slaves. He's giving them a second chance. He's a merciful king. He's a loving king. He's compassionate. He's giving them another chance to come to this feast. Remember, again, remember what we're dealing with here. Jesus is speaking to the religious leaders of the day. They've been invited to the kingdom of God. But we know all the way from the days of Mount Sinai, when they received that first invitation, if you will, that first covenant, that they have been rejecting God throughout their history. And notice there in verses 5 and 6, again, notice the way the people were rejecting the invitation. You know, some were indifferent about it. I, I need to go work on my farm. I need to go back to my business. Some of them even became violent towards those servants who came. They abused them. They killed them. They wanted nothing to do with this invitation. And what an insult this was to the king. We've got our lives to live. Right? We've got business to take care of. We don't have time for this feast. This is an inconvenient time for me to take this feast. But others, again, treated them shamefully. Right? Killed some of them. It reminded me of the story of Stephen in Acts chapter 7. You remember when Stephen preached to those Jews? Uh, you remember, he, that's a long chapter, Acts chapter 7. He gives a history of the account of Israel. And he gets towards the end of that sermon that he preaches in verse 51. And he says to them, he says to the Jews around them, You men who are stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears are always resisting the Holy Spirit. You are doing this just as your fathers did. Which one of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? They killed those who had previously announced the coming of the righteous one, whose betrayers and murderers you have now become. You who received the law as ordained by angels, and yet you did not keep it. Stephen reminds them in that sermon that which one of the prophets did your father not kill? You know, we might say, well, that's a little extreme, Jesus, giving us this parable of these servants being killed by just sending out invitations. But that's what they did. They did. They killed the prophets. They tortured the prophets. Stephen, Stephen's going to be stoned to death at the end of that chapter. But this king, he went out of his way to invite them, but they just continue, continue to reject the invitation. Let's look at verses 7 through 14. But the king was enraged, Jesus said, and he sent his armies and destroyed those murderers and set their city on fire. And then he said to his slaves, "'The wedding is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy. Go, therefore, to the main highways, and as many as you find there, invite to the wedding feast.' Those slaves went out into the streets and gathered together all they found, both evil and good, and the wedding hall was filled with dinner guests. But when the king came in to look over the dinner guests, he saw a man there who was not dressed in wedding clothes. And he said to him, "'Friend, how did you come in here without wedding clothes?' And the man was speechless. Then the king said to the servants, bind him hand and foot, throw him into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, for many are called, but few are chosen. And so here's the king's response. Again, he sends out that save the day card. He sends out the, his servants to, to go and invite the people in. He sends them out even a third time. But they're unwilling to come And so he's going to bring judgment upon them. Again, he is the king. He's royalty. They're not responding to his invitation. Remember, again, these individuals, these are the Jews, these are the elite of the day. And they're refusing to come. The point is that he's trying to get us to understand is, is there will be judgment for those who reject him. And so the king sends out his servants again but this time to a new group of people to the feast. You notice there it says, send it out to those who are good and bad, good and evil, your translation might say, not just for those elites, not just for those who he thought were worthy at one time, certain people, but to all people. Fill my hall with guests. That gives us the idea of the Great Commission, doesn't it? To go therefore to all the nations, right? Every creature, preach the gospel to every creature, every creature, Everyone, he says, is now invited to that royal feast. And we read there, Jesus tells us many accepted that invitation, and the hall was filled with dinner guests. But then there's that one man, that one man that we read about in particular, the king throws him out. He sees him without his wedding garment. But what is that about? Uh, You know, today, we go to a wedding, we typically, you know, we'll we'll dress up, maybe. uh, We'll wear something that maybe we won't wear uh, when we're lounging around the home, what we don't typically wear. You know, I can think of my father and even my father in law, uh, the only times I've really ever seen them in dress pants, dress slacks, are, you know, at my wedding or at uh, one of my siblings' weddings, right? Uh, We don't typically, uh, you know, dress up all that much. And uh, here's this man, he's at this wedding feast, but he's not wearing the wedding garment. Now again, in this culture, it was typical for a king to provide a wedding garment for those who were uh, feasting at these weddings or at these special occasions within the king's palace. How would you like that? How would you like to go to a wedding with a, uh, and you go into the door and the people say there, well, before you come in, you got you to gotta change clothes, right? You got to put on this uniform, put on this garment. That's what's going on here. But this man, he is not wearing the wedding garment, This might sound a little harsh to us, right? The king sent out his invitation. He pleaded for people to come to his wedding uh, feast. But this man did not put on the wedding garment. And so the king says, how did you get in here? How dare you? What what right do you have to be in this wedding feast, but not wear the garment that I provided? Notice the man's reaction. Did you notice the man's reaction there? He didn't offer excuse. He didn't say, well, I just didn't have time to put on a new garment, or or, I didn't have the size. But rather, he was speechless. He was speechless. You know, I think as parents, you understand what he's talking about, right? Uh, There are times where you might catch your child in the act of doing something that they shouldn't be doing. You know, uh, who got into that bag of chips? I told you no one was supposed to get in that bag of chips. And they're speechless, aren't they? When they try to come up, they're trying to come up with an excuse. But they can't because they know they've been caught. They're speechless. They're guilty. And that's what this man here represents. He represents those who accept the invitation but refuse to conform their lives to God's will. They refuse to put on that wedding garment to work in his service. And so the the king, he, he says, bind that man, cast him into the outer darkness. That's representative of eternal punishment. For many are called, as he concluded, for many are called, but few are chosen. Everyone is invited to the feast, but few will accept it. Many are invited to dine, but few will dine. So what does this parable have to do with you and I? You know, again, a parable that was written some 2,000 years ago. Well, remember how this parable started all the way back in verse 2. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast to his son. Are you interested in the things of the kingdom? I know you are. If you're kingdom people, then you're interested in those types of things. And so this lesson speaks volumes to us this morning. And Listen, I'm not trying to reinvent the wheel this morning. I'm not saying anything that maybe you've never heard of. But as Jesus gives this parable... Uh, the idea here is to cement in the people's minds that maybe when they go to their next wedding feast of what Jesus was trying to get in their heads, the lessons that he was trying to get in their heads. And so I just want to give you three of these lessons here this morning, and then the lesson will be yours. But number one, the, the first lesson I learned from this parable is that everyone is invited to be part of God's kingdom. Did you notice that again, how, how Jesus says in that parable that the king says, go out and invite the, the evil And the good, right? Invite them all. And did you notice how many times the word many was used in this parable? I mean, if you look at verse 9, it says, Go therefore into the main highways and as many as you find there. In verse 10, uh, excuse me, in verse 10, it says, Those slaves went out into the streets and gathered together all they found. Or if you're reading from the King James, uh, the many that they found. And then, of course, in verse 14, For many are called, but few are chosen invite everyone he says we must reach out to them of course we've got to reach out to them because they're not coming to us do you notice that Uh, those servants those slaves that the king sent out he sent out to them to go and get them go and send them see god wants everyone to be part of his kingdom Again, it's not for the religious elite. It's not for a certain nation. You know, I know this is sort of cliche, but we often say the church is not a, uh, <clears throat> it's not a country club. Uh, we often say that, right? The, the church is not a country club, uh, but, but it's a hospital for sinners. We've got to remember that. God is searching for all to come to him. Acts chapter 10, verses 34 and 35. God is no respecter of persons. He shows no partiality. God wants you to be part of his kingdom. Whether poor or rich, educated, uneducated, whatever the color of your skin, married, singled, widowed, whether you're a well-respected person or someone who's made a lot of mistakes in this life, God wants you a part of his kingdom. Everyone is invited to that kingdom. Everyone should receive an invitation. Now it's up to you and I to pass out those invitations you and I cannot be stingy with those invitations. You and I cannot pick and choose who we want to invite to the kingdom. God wants everyone to be part of God's kingdom. The second lesson I learned from this parable is that we must never lose sight of what is truly important. Again, those who initially were invited, they would not come. Some were indifferent. Some were too busy. Some were, were hostile. The bottom line was their focus was somewhere else. It wasn't on the king and his wedding feast. Their focus was somewhere else on something that wasn't important. You know, you and I, we get in the trouble sometimes when we're focusing in on the here and now rather than eternity. Right? Life gets away from us, doesn't it? When we're uh, younger, when, you know, maybe we've just graduated from high school, you know, we're thinking about that job. We're thinking about our ambitions, our, our college degrees, traveling the world, you know, making money. That's on our minds. And then we get a little bit older and maybe we have a family and now uh, we're, we're, you know, we're thinking about our children and we want them to have the best and you know, maybe they're academically uh, you know, uh, uh, good and, they, and we want to focus in on that or maybe the, athletically they're, they're talented and so we focus in on those things. Or, or maybe even later in life when we're a little bit elderly uh, we, we sort of start to think, oh, well, I'm going to take my ease a little bit. It's time for me to relax. It's time for, me ne- for the next generation to take over. And so we start to retire from the church. We start to retire from, from, from the work of the church. Do you remember what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33? But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all of those things will be added to you. You know, again, we say, I want to be part of the kingdom, but when it's convenient for me, But is that what Jesus said in that verse? Did he say, seek when convenient for me? Did he say, seek the kingdom when it's second? Or did he not say, seek the kingdom when it's first? There was a book that came out recently, and I can't remember the name of it for the life of me. But maybe you've read it. Uh, It was a very popular book. But the tagline in this book was, the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. Let me say that again. The main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. Again, the idea there, uh, applying that to spiritually, is the Lord is the main thing. So keep Him, the main thing, the main thing in our lives. And if that's not our attitudes today, then there's something wrong with that. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 16, verse 26, For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? What what will it profit a man if uh, if he becomes successful in everything, but he neglects the church? What will a profit a man if he makes it into the major leagues? But again, he has no relationship with Jesus. And sadly, Jesus says people will exchange their soul for pleasure, for wealth, for, for popularity, for rest and relaxation. Things that just don't matter. And friends, we must not lose focus on what truly matters. And again, that's what this parable shouts to me. And finally, one more, we must be dressed appropriately. We must be dressed appropriately. If you ever plan on going hiking in Italy, I'd advise you to take a good pair of shoes. A good pair of hiking shoes. And not that I've ever been there, but I read about this the other day. But you need a good pair of hiking shoes because, especially in some of the, the rockier terrain, because if you decide to go walking around in flip-flops or sandals, you could be fined up to 2500 U.S. American dollars. Fine for, for wearing flip-flops, for, for wearing sandals, right? But, but the idea here is this is for your protection. Uh, they're tired of having to bail out people uh, who have fallen off these cliffs by wearing sandals and flip-flops. And so, uh, so that's the law of the land, right? You, you abide by that law of the land, or you face the penalty. You pay a hefty fine. Well, friends, again, likewise, you and I must be dressed appropriately for the wedding feast for this wedding feast that will take, take place one day. And no, I'm not talking about a suit. I'm not talking about a tuxedo. I'm not talking about a wedding dress. But I'm talking about your spiritual attire. Again, that man was speechless. He knew he was in trouble. He knew he had no excuse. You know, Isaiah chapter 64 verse 6. The prophet Isaiah says that our sins make us look as if we're wearing filthy rags before God. Filthy rags. We need to be dressed spiritually. Revelation chapter 16, uh, verse 15, listen to this. It says, Behold, I am coming like a thief. Blessed is the one who stays awake and keeps his clothes so that he will not walk about naked and men will not see his shame. Here, the Apostle John writes that as followers of Christ, we need to be spiritually dressed, spiritually uh, ready for that. Not only staying awake, but staying clothed. Right? He says it's shameful to walk around naked. We understand that, both physically and spiritually. He says, "Get dressed." Well, how does one get dressed spiritually? Well, Paul tells us in Galatians chapter three, verse twenty-seven: "For all who have been baptized have been clothed with Christ." Are you clothed with Christ this morning? Colossians chapter three, verses five through eleven. Colossians chapter 3, verses 5 through 11. Notice what Paul says that you and I need to make sure that we have on at all times. Starting in verse 5, he says, "...therefore consider the members of your earthly body as dead to immorality, impurity, passion, evil desires, and greed which amount to idolatry. For it is because of these things that the wrath of God will come upon the sons of disobedience. And in them you also once walked when you were living in them, but now you also put them all aside anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive speech from your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you laid aside the old self with its evil practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. Paul says when you became a Christian, you put off that old man and you put on that new man. You put on that spiritual clothing. Because friends, many want to be part of God's kingdom. However, as we notice here in this parable, Jesus says many, although they may accept the invitation, they're not willing to submit to the king's demands. They're not willing to put on their wedding garments. And friends, it'll be a sad day when they're standing before their, their creator, their savior, their Lord, uh, before him on the judgment day, and they're undressed. They'll say, thank you, thank you for inviting me. But Jesus will say, Depart from me. I never knew you. Where is your wedding garment? Why aren't you clothed? Why haven't you put off those those earthly, fleshly desires and put on that new man and kept that on? That's what I desire. And so again, we must dress appropriately. This morning, you and I have been invited to a great feast, the feast of all feasts. We've been invited to the celebration of all celebrations, a celebration that will never end. Revelation 19, verse 9, which Daniel read a portion of this this morning. Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. However, we cannot get there on our own terms this morning. We must accept that invitation. That invitation is for all, but we must accept it. We must accept it by putting on Christ in baptism. Again, clothing ourselves with Christ. Becoming a Christian. Submitting our lives to His will. You know, again, uh, we often say this, heaven is a prepared place for a prepared people. Are you prepared this morning? Have you accepted that invitation? Have you uh, lost sight of what truly is important in this life? And are you dressed appropriately for that day? Again, as the song says, all, all things are ready, come to the feast. Because again, there will be a wedding day feast that you and I will not want to miss. For many are called but few are chosen. And this morning, if you have not accepted that invitation to become a Christian, to put Christ on in baptism, we would love the opportunity to help you with that this morning. Or maybe you have put Christ on in baptism, but again, maybe you've taken off those spiritual garments. That you, you've laid them aside. You've neglected him and his church, and you're ready to uh, be forgiven of those things, to ask the church for forgiveness, to ask God, more importantly, for forgiveness. Again, we would love the opportunity to help you with that as well. Please let us know as together we stand and sing this song of invitation.